0: Welcome to episode 17 of the Gamify Everything podcast. We look at everything in the metaverse and beyond. I'm your host, Marcus Howard, and today we're joined by Adam Martin and Evan Matthews from Macroverse Media. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much for having us. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Uh, We all have a. a, Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, got to love your background as well. Yeah, yeah. I I was going (laughs) to say, we we have a mutual friend, Newton Lavoie. And little boy, uh, I'm mispronouncing his French last name, uh, and and Ernest Spicer actually have an extra comic book that I'm going to read first that I haven't done the unboxing for from Newton. So thank you, Newton, if you're watching. I appreciate that. I'll do a LinkedIn live (laughs) video for everyone. I I don't know what it is yet, but we'll all find out soon. I know it's excellent. (laughs) Well, knowing knowing Newton's work, it'll be
1: something good. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yes.
0: Yes. So we, we, I want to thank everyone for joining us live on LinkedIn, on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and Discord. For those of you who are in Discord, if you want to be part of the live Q&A, simply raise your hand and promote you to the stage. You can ask a question. Those of you on LinkedIn, every other channel, just type in the chat or in the comments. We see them here. We'll we'll make sure to to address them and, and display them so everyone can see your question and we can answer your question. Very quickly, some housekeeping items. This podcast is powered by Gamify. It's an ideal launchpad for everything gamified. So essentially, a crowdfunding platform for the metaverse, play-to-earn games, and anything blockchain-enabled. Which brings us to Macroverse Media and everything you all are doing in comics. Please tell me more about Macroverse Media. Uh,
2: Ellen, who go wants for to it? go? You do the, Okay, good.
1: Evan, go for it. <laughs> I mean, you do the great. Uh,
2: yeah. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll try to keep it short. I get overly excited about this part of the the, uh, the introduction. So. Um, I, the, the semi-short version is that myself and Adam and our other co-founder, guy named Ricky, the three of us come from traditional media. So if you can think of a media format, we've probably made it in some capacity. So whether that's film or television or video games or comics or all kinds of new media, uh, animation, like we've, we've had our fingers in kind of all of those pies over the past 20 years. Each. Um, and so as we came together, the thing that we saw a couple of years ago was this what we thought was a pretty big opportunity to reinvent comics for digital. Um, and really looking at you know, this kind of 50-year-old business model in the traditional comics industry, blonde comics fans, but feeling like comics were not really keeping step with the rest of the media as things were transitioning to streaming and you know, kind of this all access you know format. And that mostly what the comics industry had done for digital was, here's a PDF, let's put it on an iPad. Um, And so we spent a couple of years prototyping around the other projects that we were doing and then launched an app, which is live on iOS and and Google right now, which is our own format that we think is kind of what the digital comics experience should be. So it's tailor-made for digital experience as opposed to an analog thing put into a digital wrapper. Um, and so that's where we started. And then about a year ago, we ran into the world of NFTs and Web3. And what, what two things kind of simultaneously, one, we had the kind of like moment that I think a lot of people have had of like, this is going to change everything. And like this once in a lifetime thing is happening right now, we'd be stupid not to like really focus on this. And then number two, we thought like so many of the things that we had been talking about for the company and where we wanted to go and our roadmap, even without thinking about Web3 and NFTs, we were like, this is the thing that actually lets those things happen in a meaningful way. And we spent about a year, you know, really researching and building. And so we've been building a platform kind of quietly in the background for close to a year now and have just started to release this kind of tidal wave of, Content and nfts and you know kind of product that we've been building up uh, for the the rest of this year. So we've got a ton of stuff coming, and i'll I'll wrap up by saying that you know the thing that has fundamentally shifted in our our thinking and our approach and kind of where we're building now with all of this is that for comics and all these other types of media that we love, we feel like there's a a first time, you know, kind of a first chance to build a company, to build an organization with the creators and the fans and everyone that's a participant in that ecosystem, like really having an incentive alignment in a way that's meaningful. And so even what we're doing right now, I promise this will be the wrap up of the intro. Even what we're doing, like literally yesterday, we, you know, we we did our, we've done our first NFT drop that's you know, still live. We can talk about that. But when you create a character in our NFT drop, you own that character. We then work with you to tell stories with that character. And then those characters that get greenlit by the community through this process that we've developed get put into production as comics and then ultimately in other media. And those people that own those characters get to participate in the life of those characters across whatever media they may go into, both as a creator and financially. Um, So I think it's incredibly exciting to kind of be rethinking how do you create, develop, and produce media with a community, not just for a community. Um, I'll stop there. <laughs> That's powerful.
0: Um, I grew up reading comic books. Like, yeah. I might have a superhero complex because of it. <laughs> you and I, I, yeah. I, I was always yeah. underwhelmed by what you described of, of kind of digital comics basically just being like PDFs ported over to a tablet, which is why yeah. I never got into digital comics. I just rather yeah. read the physical version. So it sounds like you were organically building again, like the next generation of the, the digital experience, the digital native experience of comics, and then you learned about blockchain, crypto, NFTs, yeah. um, and it became a natural complement. Not so you, it was it was a a an asset to what you were doing instead of you trying to basically build a solution for a problem that didn't exist. A hundred percent,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think with our, you know, as again, you know. Comics fans for both of us since we were very very young, and I think that with the digital, with the kind of digital revolution that was was happening and is continuing to happen in the comic book industry, the one thing that I think you miss is that feeling of collectibility. Right? It's that, that it's having that book, it's having that thing, it's this limited edition that is only a few of them out there. And so I think as much as we we you know we really feel the digital distribution is the future of comics to to a large degree. Um, that being able to incorporate using blockchain to incorporate true collectability into that world and then have the other benefits that Evan talks about as well in terms of ownership and character development and all that other kind of fun stuff, like that just seemed like such a natural thing.
0: Awesome. And and for those of you who are on LinkedIn, if you hear something that resonates with you, if you want to click one of those little emoji icons? This is something I'm starting to do with this episode. I just was just joking with Evan and... And Adam, it's taken me 17 episodes to figure out how to launch this this podcast without having audio <laughs> issues. So we're learning and growing as a group. If you see anything that's funny or or again that, that that resonates with you, you want to click one of those icons. We appreciate it. The algorithm appreciates it, so that we all also appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, you're, you're right. I think it's it's about creating the next level of experience so that it's shared with the consumer, and that's what what yeah. resonates with me about uh, the blockchain spaces. Especially as a gamer, and I've been playing video games since I was six, right? Keep this on me, the obligatory Super Mario Bros. 3. You know, I don't have <laughs> awesome. any ownership of any of the digital experience related to this game. Even yeah. the digital versions of the games that I download on my Xbox, i like, well, I don't have an Xbox. My PlayStation yeah. 4, I don't really have any ownership of that. If, if the server goes down or, or whatever, if I go to a PS5, some of those things won't migrate. Yeah. Um, and it, So it's, it's great to hear that you all are thinking about that holistic view, not only from, again, the ownership perspective, but even really like the transmedia 360 degree approach, because at least, and I can't speak for the entire entertainment industry, in, in the gaming industry, very few indie developers think about their IP from a 360 degree. Right. You've you've given me a
2: wonderful opportunity to jump up onto my soapbox, here, if you don't mind, for, <laughs> for just a second. So it's <laughs> free. Go, no, right? yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here, here is I, I think a a you know, I'm sure there are other people that would claim that they think this way as well, but they seem to be relatively few and far between. And this has been kind of our fundamental kind of theory about the future of media, even if you take blockchain out of the equation. So you've got You small kids. I've got small kids. I give my nine-year-old the chief futurist hat in the company. um, And I just watch the way that she consumes media. And it's sort of, you know, reaffirmed this theory that we've had for a decade, which is that it's not about multi-platform anymore. Like I think people think about multi-platform, people think about transmedia. I love the concept of transmedia, but it's never really worked like no one's ever really been able to do it in the way that we've all wished that it could be done but i think we are at a time now where this particular point of view is now incredibly prescient especially for those of us that are trying to build things from the bottom up as opposed to being disney where you just drop a movie and then everything falls out of it um so as we think about creating new franchises and especially as we think about not just the comic or the game or the movie but the whole you know, 360 view of it, in our minds, it's not about multi-platform, it's about multi-format, that the platform is every screen that we have in front of us that we have access to all the time and that we can now move between incredibly easily, even going from you know Facebook to Instagram to Twitter is just a tap on your phone or a click of your mouse. So it's like the platforms, the lines between the platforms have all but been erased. So our jobs as storytellers is thinking about what's the right piece of material, what's the right story to tell, what's the right format to lean into to give people a range of experiences in all these places that they want to have experiences. And so to bring that back to my daughter, like, you know, I watched her do this with Peppa Pig when she was five. Now she's like super into Minecraft. So it's like when it's a Minecraft kind of a day, and right now every day is a Minecraft kind of a day. But it's like she wants as much from this world as she can get. So she's invested in the character. She's invested in the experience of the game. But she's also invested in the kind of world that Minecraft presents, this you know ability to have adventures in this space, um, create her own adventures, have adventures with other people. And so in that kind of spirit of just being invested in this world, it's like it's a t-shirt, you know, going on. It's action figures and Lego, you know, versions of Minecraft. It's, of course, the game itself. It's YouTube videos of people talking about Minecraft. So it's just like, I'm in this world and I want as much of it as I can get. And so I think for our generation, like the closest we got to that was something like Star Wars, where you did have a bunch of different ways to kind of get into the Star Wars universe and the expanded universe and the comics and, you know, all of those things. But I think for us now building new franchises, it's really a lot of our thinking and our job to go, what's the TV story that's meant to be for TV? What's the comic story that's meant to be for comics? It's not about adaptation. It's about expansion. It's about thinking about leaning into the strengths of each medium and crafting the right thing for each medium, which also gives people a lot of different doorways into those worlds, into those franchises. So I think that's a kind of critical, you know, kind of mind shift, in my opinion, as we go about creating these new worlds. And now blockchain and NFTs becomes one of those doorways as well, where it's sort of the participation side of it, as opposed to the presentation
0: side of it. Excellent. Adam, do you have any thoughts you want to add to that? I know, you know, Evans basically, you know. Hit, hit all the high marks there. I know, and yeah. it, it was, <laughs> <laughs>
2: this totally is my personal good. soapbox, by the way. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I think the the only thing to add there, I think, is, you know, we have the kind of the, the really the comic series that we developed um, that kind of helped us really hone and launch the, the comics app as it currently exists with the with the tap story kind of, you know, um, uh, g- experience for, uh, for our users. Um, that came about for a series that we wrote called dead town. We write, we still write called dead town on there. And it was, uh, that started as a pilot script for a TV show, I think 12 years ago now, um, because it was just pre walking dead, uh, it's a funny story. We'll be able to we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> so like that came out just pre walking dead, um, and was sort of started through the round and, and then walking dead appeared and kind of squashed it, you know, knocked took the window of its sails. But we then, having got that script, was like, great, let's go and develop the comic series that is a different story from that TV show. And that's what we did. We then, you know, wrote and developed this whole other, you know, story about... the Basically, the kind of comic series is the origin story of the hero of the TV show. Um, but we never dealt with it. It's, it's a kind of film noir, zombie mashup, uh, you know, very, very cool, very, very kind of dark film noir-feeling thing. And we're like, well, we never in the comic series or the TV show, we never deal with the outbreak originally. I mean, that's a very intentional decision with that's been done a bunch of times, not interested, let's keep moving forward. So then we were doing a lot of work with a, another app called Yarn, which is like a tap story format. It's like tap stories. It's like a, uh, it's stories a chat, chat, story. chat, chat story. story. Chat story, thank you. Um, <laughs> it's been uh, you know, a couple of years since we That's a chat story format. And so we were like, wait, well, this is a kind of, na- you know, Let's tell a different story. Let's tell an outbreak story in this chat story format. And so we wrote and produced a kind of couple of series for them in that in that arena in that world. Um, and so I think we are. And then now we with, with the comic series starting to kind of do well. We're now coming back around to okay, let's rework the pilot. What would that be? Let's get that ready to go in anticipation of you know a kind of other success. So I think it's it's. We've, we've had this theory for a long time, but it's also something that we are very directly putting into practice with our own original material.
0: Excellent. And, and I did a screen share for those of you who are listening on, on Discord and hear this on the podcast. Unfortunately, you don't get to see this, but if you go to so I don't butcher this URL macroverse.com, you can see this this zombie uh, you know themed IP that they're talking about uh, and the ability to, I guess, create custom NFTs, it looks like.
2: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, so the the starting point, you know, this is kind of our our now thinking around how we integrate NFTs and blockchain into this is this concept is creating worlds, which are, you know, sort of these collections of avatars which you can now own and kind of bring into these franchises, into these story worlds. Uh we do a lot of story development in the community. We you know we just had our our storytelling 101 session last night with the group and kind of working through. Basic fundamental concepts around writing and storytelling. And so, it's something that we also feel like we can bring to the community for people that are interested in that side of it. Um, and then, if you scroll down the page a little bit, you'll see what the, the comics look like a little bit. Um, so, you know, you get these characters, and then one of the things that you actually get by owning the NFT is a, an NFT edition of the comic series, which will be coming out uh, in a couple of months uh, in the kind of NFT versions. Um, so we have these collectible you know, NFT editions of the comics. Um, so it kind of goes from these ideas of story worlds down to what we call epics, which are going to be the different types of stories that we've been talking about that are told in these worlds. Um, and then from there, we're also have been and are developing a, a full platform that will support all the comics material, but also other media formats. Uh, there'll be a, a you know, kind of a, a place for the artists that we work with, are, with that are kind of much more focused on the kind of pop culture comic side of the world to be able to have their own marketplace for art and things that add into the comics and other franchises, launch their own material. So there's, there's a pretty robust roadmap around all of this stuff, but it starts with this idea of building, creating a character in these worlds and then developing it out from there to be able to participate in them
0: this is visually stunning, and 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 thank you both for putting your time, your energy, your, your talents to make this happen. Uh, I want to address one of the questions here, and want to get to as many as possible. Uh, but as as those of you can see on LinkedIn, what's unique here to me is that I see people of color and women, uh, you know, kind of equally distributed amongst what's in this this scroll, where I traditionally don't see that in the comic book space. Um, and we have a question here or a comment rather from Aaron Clinton that says, if it's not adding up to living free, free from the system, it has no value. And, and one of the things that, that I'm trying to push on this podcast is kind of a balanced perspective where we have tough conversations, right? Uh, because I think it's important to be a, a part of the dialogue to to elevate the, the narrative and the dialogue. Um, and so I, I'd like for you to speak to that comment uh, first, you Adam and then Evan about how your platform can free someone from, from the system. And I think, you know, he's, I don't want to put words that's not, but I'm just going to infer, you know, system oppression, the ability, the inability to kind of have financial freedom or freedom up from your, of your time to, to kind of, and I'll say, I live here in the U S so pursue the American dream. I know that, that Adam, you're in Panama, but it, effectively, you know, again, have, have freedom of your time and, and to live comfortably. Can you speak to that and how your platform might provide that freedom?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it, you know, it's a couple of things. So it's, I think traditionally, both in comics but in entertainment as a whole, there's you know there's a lot of there are you know in comics there has been the kind of one central publishing you know uh, uh, gatekeeper that 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 has re- really restricted access certainly to kind of you know newer independent you know uh, producers and creators and that that is I think with the with the opening up of the web that has lessened but it's still in place um, and then you look at the entertainment industry as a whole and it's there is now there is now an aggressive push, and I think it's fantastic it's 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 late, but it, it is at least it's starting to happen and the The realization that you know the way to get into entertainment traditionally was oh, you got an internship somewhere and you came out of university at potentially one of the very high priced universities and then you went and got an internship for a year um and then that translates into a mailroom job that then translated into producing what and you worked your way up like that and um I think there's there's an aspect to certainly the kind of physical production side, which really is very much like great, you start as a PA. If you're lucky enough to get your foot in the door, you start as a PA, and then you truly can work your way up that ladder, which is fantastic. However, it's about that relationship to get your foot in the door that opens that first that opens that first door. And I think, of course, the challenge with that is typically. I mean, I'm obviously generalizing hugely here, but it's You know, high-priced universities coming out. The ability to intern for a year or two means you have to have a certain amount of financial stability in order to not make any money for a year or two while you figure out what you're doing next. Um, And historically, in the United States, that has trended tended to obviously that means you tend to be kind of upper middle or upper class, which has tended to be a mostly white and white male privileged position. Which meant you again get this kind of perpetual cycle of the new people who come in tend to be from white families, which means they tend to that, which means there's not that diversity push that, that gets real change in the upper echelons of the studios and the production system and all those things, which then results in more non-white males coming up to that system. And I think it's it is something it's a it has been a kind of you know, systemic issue. In, in entertainment, as it has in much of the country, frankly, um, and so from our perspective, it is with the with the ability to open up um, the the publishing and the platform that we're doing and the community development of these ideas. It's all done on Discord. It's all it's all totally agnostic in terms of sex, race, religion, any of those things. It's great if you've got a good idea. This is going to get Greenland in production, and that will then give your idea a platform upon which to build. Um, and then once we get the actual marketplace up and running that we're doing, then it really is, it is a self-publishing NFT platform. That is what we're doing. And that'll be, I think that that then has the potential to completely remove gatekeepers. And it's purely about the fans interacting with this person, what they produce. And it's, I, I think that's that's where we're going. Um, and then, you know, sorry, Evan, I'll let you talk in a second. I know I'm rabbiting on a little bit, but I think for ourselves as, you know, as, creators ourselves as writers, producers, whatever ourselves, we're both keenly aware that the last thing this, 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 you know, comics and and stories in general need is, is another kind of white male perspective of white male characters and all those, all those things. And so we very, very consciously in our own work, I mean, you see from Dead Town, it's like, great. It's a, it's a black male lead who is the lead of the show. The other kind of central character in this is this young girl, Kirsten, whose name is a mixture of both Evan's daughter's name, which is Austin, and my daughter's name, which is Kira. Um, but my my wife is black, so my daughter is biracial, so she was very much the inspiration for this character's kind of look and general vibe. Um, and so I think for both of us, we are very keen, A, in our own writing, not to perpetuate white male dominance, as it were, but also then really actively seeking out what are other perspectives, other stories, other leads, other, other, other takes on this, this world to give insight and to, and to explore the non-white male perspective, if, if, if that makes sense. I hope that answers that question. And Evan, I want, I want
0: to hear your thoughts on as well. I just want to clarify, So she made the point that, that having a more inclusive ecosystem is, is not anti-white male, right? It's how do we have a balanced ecosystem that represents our population and, and our audience demographics? That yeah, right? I, I mean, hear that, that point get yeah. brought up all the time. That's no one is saying, like, oh, we don't want <laughs> <Yeah>. to <it. No. laughs> you
2: know. No, no system. one is saying that at all. Yeah. I, I you know, I think I mean Adam just said it, but I want to kind of double down on it. I think it's just our our natural inclination as storytellers, and then it it feeds over into the material that we tend to respond to is stuff that we haven't seen before, stuff that we, you know, haven't seen a million times before. And so, you know, I think we just love creativity, and we love creative people, we love people to have something to say. Um, and, you know, the, the traditional, you know, again, I mean, just just the 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 heroic white male lead is pretty covered, like you can look anywhere and find that. <laughs> and so, you know, it's it. And there's, you know, obviously, there's great stories, we love a lot of those stories. But it's like, you know, if we're making stuff ourselves, if we're putting something into the world, it just feels more interesting. It's just a more interesting story to tell to focus on a different type of character that may have a different experience or a different thing to say, or that we can try to, you know, have some sort of dialogue with the the audience and with the creators that we're working with that suggests, you know, there's, there's other points of view that actually make the story more interesting. It's not just, you know, lip service to diversity. It's like no, there's a reason that this story is more interesting for focusing on a different type of character or a different, you know, person that that can bring something to the narrative and to the world. And then, you know, again kind of doubling down on what Adam said, you know, we kind of have a similar response when we get pitched material where it's like if you can bring us something that we haven't seen a million times, you know, we love that. Like, you know, it's we we have a very high quality bar for the material that we, you know, really get behind. But if it's good, and, a, and then it's, it's a bonus, if it brings us a point of view that we haven't seen before, if it brings us a style that we haven't seen before, it's like, that's a, it's a huge asset, which I think, you know, not just for us building a company and an organization, but I think for the audience that can you know participate in this ecosystem to be able to find stories that either they see themselves in, or that they get exposed to something that maybe they haven't gotten exposed to. And it just, you know, it, I think when I was in high school, so I mean, you know, I've been collecting comics since I was six. I think I learned to read, read from comics. Um, you know, my parents will tell you about the, uh, you know, my, my living in my Superman costume where they could not get it off of me for at least three or four years. Um, but, you know, it's like I remember in high school. wanting
1: to be Superman.
2: I yeah, well, yes, mean literally Superman. believing, <laughs> believing that I was going to grow up to be Superman. But that's, that's, a, <laughs> that's a conversation from my therapist. Um, but, (laughs) but I, you know, I, I, there was a a graphic novel that I came across in high school called Stuck Rubber Baby. And I I believe, unfortunately, the creator of it, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I believe that creator has passed away. But it was a, it was an IRL kind of true life, you know, essentially a graphic novel memoir of this guy who was, you know, growing up gay, having to deal with, you know, what that meant in society in the eighties and you know, AIDS crisis and like all the stuff that would, the, the, you know, incredible stigma around that and kind of finding himself, you know, through the course of his life. And it's this incredibly, you know, moving, beautifully illustrated graphic novel. And I think that was kind of a moment for me where I was like, you know, this is not my world. I don't know anything about this world. Like I'm a, you know, now I hate to say middle-aged, you know, straight white male um, and, but, but being able to like really feel that experience through the medium of graph of a graphic novel to put myself in the the eyes and experience of that person and that character, it, it really had an impact on me at that point. And I think it's, you know, it is part of why we approach things this way where it's like being able to, you know, all media at its best allows you to kind of experience something that you can't experience yourself to find, you know, you know, some emotional written to something that maybe you haven't, you know, had that personal experience around or that you can relate to in a way that you haven't related to it before. And so I think we have a real opportunity and in some ways an obligation as people that are putting this stuff into the world to try to amplify
0: those things. Um, so I will, I will leave it there. Well, thank you again for, for democratizing access to stories. That's one of the things that when decentralization as a whole, it's one of the things that, that I was so drawn to when I learned about blockchain in 2016. I had gotten my first half of Bitcoin in 2013, but it was three years before I understood the technology oh, behind it. <laughs> so, Josh. Uh, <judged>. <laughs> no, I, I am not a crypto millionaire. I have a tragic story about uh, the, the blockchain equivalent to banking fees taking all the money mm-hmm. from me. Thank you, C-I- CEX.io, who now has <laughs> relisted Dogecoin. That's not what this podcast (laughs) episode is about. But I had this kind of utopian view of of blockchain creating this this decentralized access for everyone, access to opportunity and capital and community and things of that nature, upper mobility. And then had kind of really this this jaded kind of face of reality where we've seen more centralization of decentralized and really kind of perpetuation of what we've seen out of the traditional fiat ecosystem. So I'm glad to hear that, that you and, and your team, your platform is, is trying to live to that ideal and I wish you all the best of success with that. I, I want to give the opportunity for the community across whichever platforms, and particularly those in Discord, who can join in live and ask Q&A questions live. If you'd like to ask a question of Evan and Adam, please raise your hand. Be glad to promote you to the stage uh, so that you can ask that question. If you're not on Discord, uh, you're welcome to post your question in the comments and then uh, we will definitely answer those. And I think I posted the Discord link in the chat. I didn't. So let me go do that now uh, if you're on LinkedIn. And in the meantime, a quick housekeeping item. Uh, our CEO for Gamify is going to be doing an AMA, asking anything with MEXC Global on February 23rd um, at 1700 hours, which is 5 p.m. UTC plus 8. I'm terrible with time zones, so uh, I'll ask you all, if you forgive me, to do the math yourselves, because I'll just get it wrong. But definitely check out if you join in the, the Discord or the Telegram or, or the Twitter. You can click on the link and, and join for that, that amazing event. So I'm checking now to see if we have any questions. Uh, while, while we went on some new questions, we did have a comment come in from Harris Ahmad, which is more focused on gaming and less on comic books. Uh, but uh, since you all are working in the, the transmedia space, which includes gaming, I wanted to give you an opportunity to speak to this. It says, I see a lot of play to earn games, and I feel a lot of them are much similar to pyramid schemes in the sense that you only earn if more and more people join the game and you keep winning against other opponents. But There is no reward or I have to read the rest of it here um, from the game itself. Like if enough people didn't play after a while, the winners will hold most of the game coins and the rest would just be sitting around empty-handed. So from your gaming slice of this transmedia 360-degree platform you're building, can you speak to that?
2: Um, yeah, I can I can say a couple things about that. So I think, <laughs> number one, I think it's very important just for context for everyone that's exploring the Web3 space to remember that like everyone is figuring this out right now. Um, and so, you know, we are, we are so early in this cycle and in the development of the technology itself, the tools that are going to enable a lot of the things that we all want to see enabled, you know, the way that these things are going to shake out, you know, long term, the, 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 the change that I think is inevitable from kind of somewhat niche to mass adoption. You know, we're going to see a lot of shifts happen over the next three, five, 10 years. I think we're very much... Uh, You know, I I do prescribe very much to like, this is the early days of the internet, you know, all over again. Um, And so I do think some of what you're saying is absolutely 100% happening and totally valid. And yes, there are games that are very much designed that way. There are NFT projects that are very much designed that way. There are, you know, DeFi protocols that are, you know, very much going to fall over if the right things don't happen to keep them afloat. So I think all of these are in, on some level experiments with like how do we find our way from this early stage to stuff that really works for the masses that you know gets mass adoption that, does the things that we want it to do from a decentralization standpoint, from an empowerment standpoint, like those, those are still things, those are works in progress, you know, for everyone in this space. And I don't think anyone should say that, they, that they're not or that they know what they're doing 100%. We all have really <laughs> good ideas and a direction. And the ones, those of us that are going to make it, in my opinion, are the ones that are going to take feedback, take what happens and, you know, continue to iterate. Um, you know, in, in that sense, very much like running any sort of traditional you know, business or organization. It's like you tried the thing, you figure out what happens, you make adjustments, you try it again. Um, and so, you know, that those are the processes I think we're all going to have to go through and gaming as much as any other industry. You know, we've you, seen these shifts before, even when you think about something like going from uh, console gaming to mobile gaming and play to earn, especially not play to earn, sorry, free to play. Um, especially, you know, it's like you could absolutely make the argument. I think most game developers would admit that like most free to play games are incredibly lopsided. Like there's a very specific formula for how to milk the most money out of the players and to find the percentage of players that are quote unquote whales in the, in the free to play space. Like, I mean, this is all incredibly well figured out. I was on a uh, a clubhouse call with the founder of a company called Machine Zone uh, about a year ago, and Machine Zone is arguably one of the best, you know, most successful mobile game developers of the past decade. Like they, they built uh, Game of War, I think is kind of the biggest title. And you know, the CEO of that company was talking about like the shift that he sees going from free to play to play to earn and these types of mechanics. Is that in the free to play world? You know, this is a it's, it's it's an economic design like there are specialists in these companies that are literally figuring out these economies like it is it is no different on some level than being in the you know, the, the in the boardrooms that are figuring out what inflation is happening, you know, happening in the country right now. It's like it is that type of meticulous craftsmanship around the economy of these games. So the same thing will apply to play to earn. There has to be some balance and some design around how all of that works, and some of it will be, um, you know, tilted one way or another just based on the way these games work. But the fundamental shift and the thing to be excited about, and this is what the, the CEO of Machine Zone was saying, is that the difference is in the free to play world, all of that revenue is captured by the game company, and it is, you know, it is it is getting you to buy as many gems as they can possibly get you to buy. And then they capture all that revenue. And what do you get in return for that? Maybe you had an enjoyable experience in some free-to-play games. Maybe that's questionable. <laughs> um, Maybe. But on the, <laughs> the play-to-earn play side, imagine it's exactly the same. But everything that you acquire in the game, you own. And so you know his theory was that if you take those two things, you could almost apply the exact same mechanics, the exact same economic models, but if you give ownership of the assets and potentially the, the tokens or the gems or the things that people acquire in the game it leads to a scenario which you're seeing you know in uh, Axie Infinity you're seeing i believe what what, what country is it right now there's the um, uh, Philippines Philippines thank Philippines. you so you're seeing yeah. what you're seeing in the Philippines right now which is essentially there's a group of people that have a lot of time but don't have a lot of money and they can invest that time in playing this game and acquiring these resources and then you have people that don't have the time, but do have more money and they want to acquire those resources. So you very quickly in, the, in a system that works, like actually you get to this two sided economy, this two sided marketplace where there is value exchange between those two cohorts. Um, and so when that works, you get this really elegant system that mitigates a lot of those concerns where you are actually in an economy that is serving two sides of that economy, as opposed to taking advantage of the people that, you know, are, are getting in late, so to speak. Um, so I think that's really the promise of free to play, you know, and I, or play to earn. And I think we're going to see more and more innovation around that. And then I would agree, you know, with what I hear kind of in the underpinnings of that comment too, which is that because we're so early, a lot of these games just aren't fun yet. So they're focused on this economy piece of it at the expense of like really making a great game. And when the first kind of really great games that also have these, you know, play to earn mechanics in them, you know, when those two things really come together, I think we're going to see a really exciting, you know, kind of expansion in gaming in this arena. And it's, it's one that, you know, I think is very exciting. And it's, it's going to be, it's probably the thing that gets a
0: lot more mass adoption in the space in general. Excellent. Adam, I, I didn't get a chance to do this at the beginning of the podcast, so I asked both of you to forgive me for it, but it, you, you two didn't talk about like your backgrounds, I think, in more depth uh, for for the context of you building this company. And I think that's important because to and to bring this full circle, I think the, the comment that was made by, by Harris, and thank you for that, Harris, is that I think that there are too many people in the NFT, uh, and I'll say not people necessarily, but organizations, groups that don't necessarily have the domain expertise for the medium they're producing. And that's why it kind of feels like a cash grab. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think, you, which I think Evan also speaks to your point that the quality may not necessarily be there because you may not have like uh, veteran game developers working on these projects. Uh, but, but the two of you do have extensive experience, again, transmedia from film to, to print to gaming. Can you talk about that a little bit more so people understand your background and, and how that allows you to create something of substance?
1: Yeah. Absolutely, I, you know. I think it is. Evan touched on this briefly at the beginning. I think, but I'm always excited to go into it in more detail. Um, you know, I think the the benefit of the three of us and our other co-founder Ricky is he is a gaming CEO. He has built up and and sold two highly successful game companies. Started the mobile gaming division at Disney. Um, came out of Disney before that as a film exec. So you know, he's he's his pedigree in the gaming arena is is extensive and extreme. And so I think checks a lot of the boxes that that Harris is concerned about in terms of that, uh, speaks to Evan's you know, thoughts about about uh, creating the best possible experience for for players of the game. For myself, it is, I don't know, I've spent the last 20, almost 25 years in uh, live action film and television, and then doing, you know, directing animation, uh, both for TV and for commercials and for video games as well, for kind of cutscenes and of video games. So... You know, it's it's very much started at the bottom as a PA, and and was able to kind of work my way up. Um, and you know, so some of the projects, you know, I've had the 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 fun of working on some huge things. So I did the original Transformers. I did some time on the sec Transformers too. So getting to kind of work with with the Michael Bayes of the world, you know, it's it's um, you know, he he can, he's not always the easiest person to deal with, but he's also um, uh, I think visually, especially, and his action tends to be just out of this world. And so, you know, being at his side for five months straight shooting Transformers, you just learn a hell of a lot about about storytelling and action and how to put this together and what shots work and and a lot of that kind of visual education applies obviously directly to something like comics. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the last ten years, I've been in 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 a kind of mostly actually, funnily enough, a kind of comedy route. Um, with film and TV, so done quite a lot of work with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, his partner. Um, I just finished a show as an assistant director called Barry on HBO, which, you know, uh, Bill Hader and what, so I've been very, very lucky and and uh, Alec Berg was the director I was working with directly, who was one of the co-creators of Silicon Valley. Like I've just been around a lot of incredibly talented writers, directors, producers, creators of all, all types. and. I always feel like unless you're a complete idiot, which I don't think I am, you cannot help but learn good storytelling from there. And you know, I mean, a kind of goofy example of that. You know, you look at exposition in in uh, in stories, in screenplays, and and, and, and you know, any story you're trying to tell. Inevitably, there's some exposition that has to come up in there. And, and I was doing a show a few years ago called Future Man on Hulu with with Seth and Evan. And there's a scene. It's like episode three, and and they. It's a time travel drama, and they you know the heroes have gone back in time, screwed up the past. Now the present is screwed up, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the exposition dump of okay, here's the problem, so we've got to go back and fix this. The lead characters like having all these thoughts about it's that you know it's the kind of back to the future of it all, except while we're on him talking us and therefore the audience talking himself and therefore the audience through the time travel conundrum. The other two lead characters are like having aggressive sex behind him the entire time. And it was just this utterly weird scene, really funny and slightly disturbing and kind of twisted And I finished up, and I was talking to, to Seth and Evan. And I was like, how on earth did you think up that? And Evan just goes, you know what? Every now and then you've got to have exposition. If you're going to do that, you better have something else interesting happening on screen at the same time. I was like, yes, of course. That's what <laughs> I've never heard it put so succinctly in my life. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> You know, so I feel like it's that it's it's all those lessons, and then obviously on the flip side, it's it's having you know some scripts don't work, and you have to go back and reshoot, and you have to you know you these lessons um, you apply are very very easily applicable back into the communities and the storytelling that we're doing, and and uh, you know not only in our community, but we're working with um, both uh, 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 um, a project Bushido's. called Bushido's which we're helping uh, you know, kind of create story around their original IP that they've got and this original PFP project they've got. Another one called GSA, which is kind of an old school uh, kind of OG uh, uh, PFP project. Um, again, just developing and honing the story to tell as a comic with the goal always of taking it up and out into into film and television and animation and all those that other kind of fun stuff. Um, and then the relationships in place. So when you have something that's really cool to be able to call up, managers and package a deal or these people or whatever like these actors these things the kind of the wrapper around great now we've got this there's this cool original project there's a really cool comic that we've developed from that now what do we do with that okay great well now here's the access into this into this world as well
0: well as you get those those projects closer to life again uh, shameless plug for for gamify we have the ideal launchpad uh, that helps games and any blockchain-enabled, gamified-enabled project get the funding, the legal and the marketing support it needs to go from uh, fully-baked or newly-fully-baked project to launch and beyond. So keep us in mind as you get those projects moving along. I know, you know folks that I've spoken to have gone the traditional fundraising route and they've had to, to increase the goal, their fundraising goal, because they're trying to fund not only the team, but like specific pieces of projects with multiple games in their yeah. catalog. Uh, and so it, this approach allows you to basically lower that raise to cover maybe your core team and then take the individual games and actually self-fund those, not self-fund, but fund those specific projects yeah. with their own currencies. Amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yes.
3: There's, we will there's absolutely probably another conversation this. to have. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> sounds like yeah. the Venn diagrams of, uh, of uh, what the, those two things are uh, quite, quite, quite overlap. That's
2: very <laughs> exciting. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> and I, I just, I, I'll, I'll, add one thing to what Adam said. So I think, you know, very quickly, like my, my background kind of straddles a lot of these different arenas. So it's like, I actually have an illustration degree. Um, You know, as I came out of RISD as a, as a illustrator, Uh, I thought I was going to be a comics artist. So that's kind of where this all starts. Um, and then I started a branding and media agency, which I had for over a decade. And so during that time, my really my whole career has been founded on the concept of, hey, can you do X, Y, and Z? And me going, of course, we do that all the time. And then hang up the phone and go, how do we do this? Who do we need? How do we put this together? <laughs> so like my whole career has been like, what's the right team to execute on this particular thing? Um, and I think, you know, that's been a, a, a skill that's a kind of a let me move between a lot of these different arenas. And so going from advertising and marketing to animation to video game you know, development and design, I'm a UI UX designer as well. Um, and then writing, directing and producing both on my own and also with Adam for you know, uh, a lot of new media stuff, but also traditional animation and traditional media. Um, you know, the entry into comics and where actually the genesis of Macroverse comes from is from meeting a director of a movie called The Boondock Saints. Um, and as soon as the Boondock, as soon as I met Troy, who's the director of that movie,
0: that's like, one of my favorite it. movies, by the way. It's, I don't mean to it's, interrupt. You, oh, it oh, no, no, it, it exactly. is a cult it's, classic. It's, it's, it is a cult so classic. Good. It's an awesome movie. The sequel and didn't I, quite yeah. hit that mark, but that first one. They're making a third, right? I hear they're
2: they're making, a third, making a third, making a third. Yeah, we'll, we'll, see. we'll uh, see. Just just announced. Yeah. So so I yeah you know, I met Troy and I was like, this is a comic series. Like we should expand this into comics. And so that was my way back into the comics industry. Is you know we came to a, an agreement and you know, made a deal about that. And then I went and put the whole thing together. So it's just like this is just my nature is to go like, okay, I want to do this thing who do I need to know? Who do I need to meet? What are the pieces that need to go here? And so that brought me back in traditional publishing. And we launched that series that, you know, for an indie project did incredibly well, we did the whole like, you know, convention circuit all over the country when that was a thing. Um, And, uh, you know, just had this incredible experience, you know, making that graphic novel series. And then that was where I kind of came out of it, having then seen all the different facets of especially the indie side of comics, where you're, finding publishing and doing distribution and making deals with Barnes and Noble for in-store signings and like all those different things coming out of that, going like, man, like this was amazing. And if we're going to make our own content, this is not the way to do it. And that is, you know, that was really the Genesis of like, let's look at what's next for comics because the industry is stuck. Um, you know, love Marvel and DC, but if you're not Marvel and DC, it's a 50 year old business model. <laughs> um, so, you know, that was the genesis of all of that. And then the, the kind of final you know thing I wanted to say on, on what Adam said is that I think it's one of the things, and this is a little bit shameless uh, back padding on our, ourselves. Um, I think what does set us apart as a founding team in this space, especially, is that we do know how to make all this stuff. So, you know, unlike many other projects, and this is not shade on any other projects, I think, you know, many great projects out there. But the three of us collectively have made every type of media that we're talking about making. So starting from comics, going to animation, bringing on gaming, talking about, you know, film and television as where kind of all these things are headed and the combination of these, you know, kind of expansions of these worlds into these different medias. Like we could go make a TV show tomorrow. Like we know how to do that. We could make a game tomorrow. We know how to do that. Now, of course, it takes time. It's not going to be done tomorrow. But between the three of us, we actually have those skill sets, and I think that is a a unfair advantage <laughs> for for us as we move through this space. Is that we we really do understand how to take these things and blow them out, um, you know, into these other bigger franchises. And you know, I'll, I'll say this publicly for the first time on your show: the the place that I've come Wait, to. One second, one second. One second. Gamify exclusive. Gamify exclusive. (laughs) So, you know, the where I have come to over the course of the past year is we had initially started Macroverse with like, we'll build the fan base. We'll build these franchises. we'll, We'll prove these concepts as comics. And then we'll go through the traditional media channels to film and television and other media. We may still do that. We probably still will do that with some of these things. But I actually really think the opportunity is to develop a next generation studio where we don't necessarily need those traditional channels. Where the 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 power of the, the kind of Web three ecosystem as it develops is we prove those concepts, we engage a community. And then we and the community gets to benefit from the fact that it becomes a TV show, that it becomes a game that's successful, that, you know, these things, you know, no longer require the Netflixes of the world as much as I love Netflix to have a life in a massive scale for entertainment. Um, so I think, you know, the, the secret is that's really what we're building at the end of the day is what's a next generation studio model where we can create all these different experiences across the biggest types of media that exist for the biggest audiences that exist and do it in a brand new way.
0: Well, compelling, benevolent world domination sounds like what's... what's a
2: hundred percent.
0: <laughs>
2: compelling, but benevolent world domination. Mm-hmm. That may be one of the best sentences I've ever heard. <laughs> I we need to update our uh, company profile. Page. <laughs>
0: Uh, Adam and Evan, Evan, I, I appreciate it. This has been wildly illuminating and, and, and uh, truly entertaining conversation. So thank you for the generosity of your time. Um, I want to thank you all for joining us. We have so many people tuned in on Discord. That might be a record uh, looking something some 25, 30 people. So thank you everyone in, in Discord for joining us. Thank you everyone on LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube. I think I got all of them us as well. Before we leave, Evan and Adam, can you just, again, shamelessly plug uh, your project where people can connect with you? Obviously, if you're watching the video, you can see the website, but whatever anything else that's a a point of interest, please let people know.
2: Yes. Yes. So Macroverse.com is the the number one place. So that's where the website, that's where the live mint is happening right now. Uh, We are doing some unique mechanics and things in the mint. So, you know, definitely check it out. You've never had an NFT experience like this. If you've had NFT experiences, you are literally creating your own character. Um, And then there are tools that we will be launching on the website over the next couple of weeks that will extend what you can do with those characters. So, you know, one of the things that you'll see with us and kind of the way we move through the space is like we've got a plan for how things roll out, and it's already happening. It's already in in place. It's not like when we get to this, then we'll start working on this next thing. It's all just happening. So get engaged. You know, get yourself a, a dead town character as an NFT. Come join us on Discord, which is discord.gg/macroverse. Um, and, you know, get engaged in the community because if you are someone who's interested in storytelling and creating media and comics and pop culture in general, it's going to be a fun ride. Um, and, you know, we're kind of at your disposal to help you develop your ideas inside of these worlds. And, you know, as I think we mentioned at the beginning, the first of the stories that has come from the community just got greenlit last night. So that one will go into production initially as comics and then on from there. So it's gonna be a really fun thing to engage with, even if you're not someone that sees yourself going through that process. Come and play and watch. And as these things develop, not financial advice, do your own research. But we do expect there to be a lot of value captured um, you know, through this process. So captured and captured. shared.
1: Captured yes, and captured shared. Captured and Absolutely. shared. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the other thing, you know, just to tag on the end just before we go, it is. We're launching with Dead Town because that was very much our baby, and we wanted to do something that was totally unique and didn't look like any other kind of avatar project, uh, you know, um, NFT project that's out there. We have another series coming kind of hot in its heels that we're just starting to ramp up, and it's uh, very, very different, this kind of anime graffiti style um, that's going to be a lot of fun. And the thing we are doing with all our series is there's stacking rewards, so it is that if you know there are going to be specific things in the next drop that will only be available to the people who hold the zombies and then that'll build from there and build from there and build from there um yeah. so yeah to Evan's that's point, that's a way of, of saying
2: coming. that's a way of saying get in early like you'll be glad that <laughs> <Yeah>. you did <laughs> you'll be glad that you did down the road 100% yeah. um and yeah actually and yeah, final sold
1: the, final and we solved the and we sold the gas fee issue so we rewrote the gas fee contract yeah. so the gas fees are like somewhere between 7 and 50 dollars particularly but uh, uh, generally so
2: yeah yeah and then yeah sorry and then and then that final thing there is so get in early stacking rewards and this is the first of 10 plus projects that will launch this year so you know we're building an ecosystem this is not a project or a couple of projects it's a full platform it's a full ecosystem all the things that one would want in web3 they're coming so, you know, get get in early, be a part of it, take the ride with us. We think you'll be glad that you did.
0: Yes. Excellent. Excellent. And I want to give a shout out to Ernest Spicer and Newton Lullabois. boy. Definitely. I, yeah, I, that's good. That's good. That's I mispronounce yeah, his, his name all the time uh, for making the, <laughs> the introduction. They were also a guest on a previous episode of the podcast, maybe number 10 or 11, maybe 12. So if you're just listening uh, for the first time, definitely go check out uh, RageWorksNetworks.com. Rageworks is where our podcast is distributed to go uh, listen to that episode. And thank again, both of you for for joining Uh, our upcoming guests next week. We don't have a specific time finalized yet because they've got a lot of moving pieces. uh, The game development team behind Time Raiders. So they're special guests. Uh, We'll talk about more about that soon. But definitely uh, stay tuned for details of the when and where. And thank you, friends, for joining us. We'll talk to you soon.